Welcome to the Injury Report. Uh, I'm your co-host, Anthony Valdez, joined today uh, once again with my fellow co-hosts, Brad Weissel and Ben Halperin. Uh, No longer in the WMUC radio uh, studio today, boys. Um, We're we're bringing, this is a live COVID episode, so we're all kind of dispersed dispersed throughout the country. We're, We're trying something new here and recording like with our phones on this special app, so we appreciate the audience bearing with us. Ben, how you doing, man? I'm good in solidarity with, you know, the, those that are suffering right now. I decided to go out and get coronavirus myself, um, <laughs> just so I could really put my money where my mouth is. Yeah. Thank you for um, your sacrifice. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, went and took college graduation pictures and no, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so the world has kind of really changed since we, we last recorded an episode. Um, I, I, went back and listened to where we were. And should we, should we tell people that on what's happening in case they, you know, haven't been following? Well, the this, news is, this will be a, this yeah, will be used in history. So, so this will be used uh, in history yeah, ben, to figure ben, out what's going on. Love, love a little recap from you, Ben. I also just to hear your, your take. Um, so it's May, May 13th is the current date. The one that 2020, we are, 2020. Yes. Um, Anthony, what was the date of the, our last uh, podcast? Oh, our last podcast was in It was March. just before, yeah, it was like mid-March, beginning of March. So Maryland was about to play Michigan. Right, yes. thank God. Uh, <laughs> well, thank God. Um, Mark Turgeon so was fired since, after a devastating loss. And so since we good. last recorded, um, <laughs> Maryland has not lost a single game in the NCAA tournament, and I don't foresee them At losing all. one. For I mean, at least another nine months. <laughs> wow. um, Mark Turgeon has gone on an absolute recruiting spree. Uh, well, actually, Coach Loxley has. I, we're going to get on to that later. But um, no, the uh, a global pandemic has uh, really swept the the nation and the world, uh, crippling the um, what we love most. Um, for people is is one thing that it's absolutely killing quite literally Good save. Good and save. um two is is sports um the as as you get can all tell we're we're well practiced uh podcasters here it's a new world for us doing the podcast not being live you know you, just the electricity of being live in the studio i think i think really wakes you up but but you know we heard an outcry we're making from people. Do. they were they were saying where we where's the injury report why you know i know there's no sports but that doesn't that hasn't stopped ESPN and people on there from talking about sports twenty four seven and speculating. I wish it had. And so they said, "Why isn't the injury report doing it?" And we said, "You're right. Good point." So that that uh that kind of takes us to where we are now. Um, before we kick off the sports, why don't we? We know that this podcast, the listenership, is pretty much made up of uh of people who who know know who we are personally. So why don't we give everyone an update, um, of you know what we've been up to or where we're at. Um, Brad, if you want to, if you want to start. Sure. So I have been back in Newton, Massachusetts, uh, with my family basically since, uh, school ended. It was with my girlfriend for a little bit before that, but I've just been chilling got here. I got a part. Yeah. Crazy <laughs> stuff. I know I breaking news, Poor woman. ladies who are listening to the pot, ladies who are listening to the podcast and men for that matter, I'm taken. I know you're going to be very sad and to hear those that. Who choose not to. Um, <laughs> and those who choose not to identify system. that's very 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 true i apologize if i offend anybody with my remarks uh, earlier in the show we're gonna have to do another uh takeout segment where brad apologizes <laughs> uh but no i've been here i i uh, i've been work- doing some school a lot of pass fail classes which have been nice and got a, got a part-time job oh good job 
Good job Ubering. Oh, yeah. What about you, Valdez? So I'm uh, I'm I'm here in California. Um, I went came here for a weekend trip and never left. So, um, well, I guess that's not true. I went and grabbed my stuff, but, um, yep. Here back in California with my family and have been working remote. Um, and yeah, also taking like one pass fail class. So pretty light here. And, uh, Ben, what have you been up to? Um, well, that's, that's the question of the hour, isn't it? Um, (laughs) I'm finishing up my final semester of college, like, like you two fine gentlemen. Um, I think I'm taking what as many classes as the two of you combined or more taking five classes six so so yes so that yes exactly okay um well that, that a gentleman a gentleman and a scholar a gentleman and a scholar twice you. you know and that's being generous to you the, the man that uh, <laughs> both of you are um but were any were any of your classes bowling because that is a tedious tedious no class. um especially in quarantine, uh, remarkably, I did not take the a class of the one sport that you can dominate while being over four hundred pounds. Um, <laughs> I guess that and maybe darts. But, um, so, so yeah, we're um, getting getting back into live sports. I'm actually right now missing the uh, UFC Fight Night prelims uh, right now, so that uh, I can catch up with you two fine uh, fine chefs. Well, why don't we why don't we get into some of that uh, some of that chatting? Um, I think we wanted to start the show off by um, picking up um, where we left off last episode with college basketball. So, like we mentioned um, last time, we had an episode here. Maryland was about to play Michigan. Since then, um, they split uh, a share of the Big Ten regular season title, and that's about it. Because right after that, they played I think what one game in the Big Ten tournament, if if that. And today, uh... I think they might have gotten in one game, maybe. And then, and then they canceled the whole thing because of uh, COVID nineteen, and they canceled the NCAA tournament. So I guess just generally, what is what is your guys' thoughts on on what's kind of progressed? It seems like that Michigan game was a lifetime ago, in my opinion. Oh yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Obviously, uh, heartbroken by the fact we didn't get to see this team in the postseason, which is something I think. I speak for all of us when I say we've been maybe looking forward to, but also definitely dreading uh, <laughs> since the beginning of this podcast. Um, so I guess if there's any bright side, we didn't get to see us, you know, lose in the first round to Xavier or something. No, that would but have been a good I, I was... us. Okay, fair. To, to like uh, Loyola yeah, Marymount or, to, yeah, to, yeah, or Albany. Go. go Great yeah. Danes. Yeah, Bradley or something like that. But, you know, one of those teams. But I was actually really impressed with how Maryland played in the Michigan game. Uh, Anthony Cowan stepped up like we knew he would be. You could tell he was leading the team the whole way from, you know, just the, from being in the huddle before the game to every time there was a timeout, you can talking to guys, making sure everybody knew where their mind had to be. So I was really impressed with him. And somehow Mark Turgeon won a big game. I honestly don't want to give him too much credit for it. I don't think he, he did much to do it. I think it really was Cowan. And I think and what Cowan's done after the season and how much love he's shown to Maryland since the season's ended has shown that that this really was his win and I, i'm really ha- happy to see him go on top ben what were your thoughts you're right it really does feel like such a long time ago um i i actually am quite disappointed that, that we were not able to witness a uh nca tournament appearance for the turks because uh the way it's looking it won't be happening next year um, and that's not because there <laughs> no. won't be an NCAA tournament, but if there is one, the Terps will not be participating. Um, so I 
I, I have mixed feelings on the uh, on a shared title. Um, this is one of the few instances where it's it's more acceptable. Um, I think if you tried to declare a, a co Super Bowl winner, they would, uh, you know, that that may be cited as one of the um, causes of the apocalypse. Um, <laughs> But I, for college basketball, um, I think this is a step in the right direction. Eight years coming for for Mark Turgeon and the boys. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, hopefully, you know he can he can take this success with his uh, extremely talented three players next year and build on it. Yeah. Who are those? List list me the three talented players. Um, no, I meant three players total. <laughs> oh, three players. Because okay, there we go. I that sounds better. Yeah, so I, so I think I can get about one. What for those of <laughs> you who haven't one. been following Maryland basketball as closely as as we have, um, so after this season, obviously Cowan is graduating. Then you have Jalen Smith, who has de- officially declared for the um, NBA draft, is probably I guess predicted to be what would be a late first rounder. I'm I'm kind of of the mind that if he had been able to work out, he might have been able to work his way up a little bit, but. That's neither here nor there. He's gone. Um, I guess Tamayich has transferred. Um, Ricky Lindo Jr. has transferred. Um, the the uh, the Mitchell twins had transferred midseason. Um, so I'm pretty sure that the front court is like uh, Chol. Uh, yeah, and it is it is exactly I Chol. guess Chol Chol and his long arms, um, which is and which is good guys. He, he generally needed more space because um, at the moment he would he would every time he'd lift his hands up he'd accidentally foul someone. So um, yeah, a lot of transfers. We just got some guy from Alabama, but I was looking. yeah. So do you guys know uh, anything about his stats? I think he I scores like three points. Was... He averages like three points a game or something like he that. He averages under. He averages between two and three points a game, and I think he averages less rebounds per game than that. All right, well it's set. And about wait, one block per game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he's clearly points. he's clearly like a depth guy. I mean, it was not it was not a big transfer, but I mean, I guess so he'll fit, the question he'll that fit I have well in the starting lineup then. Yeah, yeah um, I guess it's going going back quickly for a second to to the previous team. What is your you know, I, I know we've all speculated the whole year. What do you think this how far do you think this team would have gone had they gotten a chance to play in the Big Ten tournament in the NCAA tournament? Well, first, I'd like to say that I had a perfect bracket this year. And none of you congratulated. You didn't get a. Me, you didn't get a single pick don't, right. Didn't get a single pick wrong though, and I think that's that's what defines perfection. <laughs> um, however, I think in the Big Ten tournament, it's it, it would have been a total just a total toss up. I I think we would have won a game, which would have been an accomplishment. I think that's honestly what I would have been happy with if we'd won one game in the Big Ten tournament. The Big Ten was so tight at the top this year; winning one or two games would have been fine with me. In the NCAA tournament, I, I really do think we would have made it out of the first weekend and at least made it to a Sweet 16 game. The way that this team had come together at the end of the season, the way that they were able to win close games late and even come back when they were down six, seven points late in games that felt like NCAA tournament atmosphere type games, you know, against, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, top yeah, the, opponents. the home game that against gave me a lot Michigan of State is really where they embraced the... Uh... Well, the awakening at Michigan State, which is probably more uh, more like what an NCAA tournament atmosphere would seem like, especially given that we don't have fans that travel, uh, I think says a lot. But Could I, have I just think cut that, that off at fans, team. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of I kind of agree with you, Brad. I I was thinking like Sweet Sixteen. I don't really know what they would have done in the Big Ten tournament. I frankly I wouldn't have really cared. I think 
I am not one of those people who, who cares a lot that we continually get bumped out of the Big Ten tournament. But, um, yeah, I think a Sweet 16, I think the one – obviously, this was a great team. I think Mark Turgeon has, after the fact, now come out and said that he thinks it was his best team or at least one of his best teams um, that he's ever coached. I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't one, he say that? I mean, I think at the – well, at the time, he was, like, kind of trying to downplay them, which I think was more just about expectation setting than anything. Right. Um, I agree. But the one problem I think they would have had is they have no bench, right? Like, the like the starting five was extremely solid, but, like, poor Jalen Smith and Anthony Cowan would have been absolutely toasted they had after the first weekend. six and a half people that could play basketball in a meaningful game. <laughs> right. And I think the half so, is, like – one one fourth Sorrell Smith. Half and, of Sorrell Smith. Yeah. Well, it, it was when it was when uh, Ayala and who who was it? Ayala and who else like refused to start? Wiggins. Ayala <laughs> and Wiggins. That's crazy. They had a fight over it. Yeah. So one of the things I think coming into the season, there was this general thought among Maryland fans that if Maryland continued their, I guess, trajectory of being bumped out of the first round of the big 10 tournament and also losing kind of early in the NCAA tournament that Turgeon's job security would have been extremely impacted. Now Turgeon never got to prove that scenario true or false one way or the other. So what does this do for the whole, do we extend Turgeon thing? Ben? Um, I think, you know, where I stand, but it's, they're in a, who's a, who's a good analogy. This, this is one you might appreciate. Jason Garrett. Yeah. Um, mediocrity and minimal success have kind of become the standard um, for for this program. And you know, you, you could say you would you would love to. How many teams would love to win a Big Ten championship? You know, of course, all of them. But all of our quote unquote competitors have um, during the time that, that he's been in Maryland. Uh, this isn't year one, this isn't year two, this isn't year three. So I'm when his best performance uh, as a coach is getting the most talented team he's had to a co-share of the Big Ten title and a uh, Sweet 16 appearance, um, I'm not sure that that's a glowing um, or, or that's a tremendous reason for optimism. <laughs> Brad? I don't know. I think I think this is one of the real reasons why it was so sad that we didn't did not get to see this team in the Big Ten tournament or the NCAA tournament this year, because we, you know Turgeon has had good teams in the past, and he, all of his teams, regardless of how good or bad they have been, have traditionally underperformed. But he finally had a good team that the common like denominator really could is. take deep. If, if oh no, I completely agree with that. But I I think that this he finally had a year. He whatever he did whatever he had to do. He recruited well. He got Smith to stay. He got Cowan to stay all four years. All this stuff. He finally had a team good enough that maybe he could do something with. And if he had lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament and the second round of the Big Ten tournament, there wouldn't even be a question that he has to go. Right. Whereas if he had gone out and maybe made it to the finals of the Big Ten championship and then somehow made it to the Elite Eight, we'd be saying, okay, if he has a good team or he has, you know, he has a couple of experienced guys leading his team, he can do a competent job of coaching, which is something we have not been able to say with any definitiveness before. One thing yeah, I just want I mean, to point out is, is – didn't mean to step on you there, but – No, no, uh, no. I'm not sure we – and and you can chalk this up to, to just sports. Um, you get calls, you don't get calls. You make shots, you don't make shots. Mm-hmm. 
this Maryland team was on was not really on the the bad side of luck this year. Um, a cu- couple calls at at uh, the end of games that, that maybe should have gone the other way, but um, this we're, we talk about the more sell shot. We talk about Anthony Cowan single single handedly going nuclear at, at Michigan State. Um, there are two, three, maybe four um, games that without the uh, just amazing individual performances that we're talking about a a team that's uh, that that's a ten or an eleven seed. Um, Right, but I don't. I, I don't think we can chalk that all up. I I think that if that happened once, then it's luck. But I agree. I I, I agree with you. I think there were four or five times where we had pretty incredible comes back comebacks this year, and I think the fact that it happened four or five times does say something. Probably not about Turgeon, but about the the character of the guys. Absolutely, team not willing to to give up. Well, well, and I mean that's kind of the part of it that makes me most disappointed that there won't you know there won't be a tournament. And we won't get to see this team. Is it, it kind of had the makings of that type of magical season that you you might see from a school every once in a while where it just seems like almost everything is going their way they have the guys and it just yeah obviously this is like never happened before so it's um it's it's pretty crazy when i think about turgeon's job security the question that always comes up in my mind and uh is like who's replacing him um and i I think one You know, like, I just don't know who, it, like, it really just depends on who that person is. Well, Mark is. Turgeon's done a hell of a job of not making this, uh, you know, he, he didn't, I'm not sure he made this But I mean, like, who's the free agent or, like, who's the coach from, like, a small school that you're getting? Well, that's what I'm saying that is, is, is you have these guys like the, the Archer, Archie Millers that um, come from Dayton and go to a big program. Um, I think the the um, resume that uh, Mark Turgeon has put forward um, to um, what's the word I'm looking for to uh, he, he hasn't turned Maryland into a power five power team. Um, and that's, and that's really what, what he should have done. This is a national, a team that is 20 years removed from winning a national championship that should be able to compete with some of the best in the country that has a ton of homegrown talent. And uh, time after time, we see good recruits uh, fail to stay home. We see underperforming teams. And I really can't say I'd, I'd like to see if, if I was a mid-major head coach, you know, Maryland's going to be the place I'm going to go to to be a big-time head coach. doesn't feel that way. What, pro- what program do you guys think like, if, is there another program out there that you think Maryland should emulate in terms of, like, results and talent level, kind of year in and year out? Duke. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think I, it's like – it's. I struggle with this question because on the one hand, like, if, I, if, if we're going to go through and grade this season based on all we got to see, we only got to see as much as we got to see, we can't change that now. I, I think that this team has to get like an A minus. Right. They weren't incredible, but they won a share of the Big Ten title. I mean, what more can you ask out of a team really than winning their conference title before you get into conference just, tournaments? They were gonna be they were gonna be by most projections a four seed, maybe as high as a three even a seed, depending on how they did in, in the NCAA tournament. So I I think that Mark Turgeon really couldn't have done a whole lot more with this team. 
that does not in any way excuse him for the failings of the past four years. And you've been at Maryland and arguably the entire time he's been there where he's constantly underperformed. But given that we didn't get to see any more this season, I think it's hard to say that it, it was a I'd failure. I'd like to reframe Anthony's question and, and cause I think that's what, that's what we're getting at here. Um, what kind of success should we anticipate? I, you know, I, I was joking when I said Duke, um, we're not the mid 20th century yeah, UCLA team. We're not Kentucky. We're not Kansas. So what are realistic expectations? What kind of program should we be able right. to compare ourselves to? And you know what? I think the answer is our, our uh, contemporaries in the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan has been to multiple final fours during Turgeon's tenure. Michigan State, um, more of a blue blood program, but should be able to recruit at least with, with that level of program. Ohio State, I mean, Penn State and Rutgers out of nowhere this year. Why are... But those were kind of... Yeah, fakes. I mean, those I, are I, I, I agree with the Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Yeah, I think, I think Ohio State... I think Ohio State and Wisconsin, yeah, Wisconsin might, be a, might be a better analogy than... I mean, like, Michigan was just in the finals. Like, I, I, I don't expect but that. But it's not like Michigan is this historic uh, basketball school. Mm-hmm. No, I like Michigan, actually, because they, they, they get talent every couple of years. They're able to make runs when they do have that talent, but they also are going to have a down year every now and then, and the fan base kind of understands that. I, I think that's a pretty fair comparison. Yeah. I mean, I guess the the problem that is so annoying about this year is that every year I feel like there has kind of been an excuse for Turgeon, maybe with the exclusion of last year where they, they lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Um, Travel. Right, exactly. You can still kind of – but this year there was like there was no excuses. This was like the team. This yeah. was the test. And then he, uh, the teacher, decided to extend the test. And next year the team's not going to be good enough to to give him a fair showing. Um, what before we should I, we give an expectation? Yeah, it's gonna be wrong. Should we? Uh, well, before we do that, can I just ask you guys one last question about Turgeon? Sure. So Jalen Smith, as I as I mentioned, is declaring for the for the NBA draft. He recently did an interview where he said something to the effect of coach Turgeon is human too. The fans are like way too tough on him. And he covers for a lot of mistakes that we make and people don't know about. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I, I like, what are these mistakes? Like if you watch the games, there are a lot of mistakes that I think he makes. You can, there are, Play, you know, there are times when he, he said we don't have inbounds plays. There's times when he's not changed defenses or has changed defenses way too late or is you know, not recruited well enough to get that's enough exactly guys where we can point. have more. If he's drawing up perfect play. plays and, I think that's and the they're problem. missing shots, that's one thing. And that's, and that's what you're saying here. It's, it's one thing to set up to have a player, you draw up a beautiful play and your player misses a wide open layup. It's, it, right. No one's putting on the coach. But it's another thing when um, you you say to national media that inbounds plays aren't something you really practice. Uh, it's one thing to, to not know how to break a two, three zone when you've been around basketball for 50 years. Um, there are clear and um, repeating instances of, of Turgeon not coaching. And right. I think that, you know, what, what do we expect to change? Jalen Smith absolutely has a point. There's There are a ton of things, a ton of mistakes that the players make that the coaches probably unfairly get blamed for. Um, but in, in my opinion, it, it goes more towards uh, more towards the coach. 
Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I just thought it would it was fair to to bring up when you had a player saying that. Do we want to quickly just set our expectations for next year before moving on? Oh God. Yeah. What do you think? We're not making um, it's going to be really bad. Yeah, I don't think we're going to make the tournament unless they get some magic transfer that I don't know about. Um, Mac McClaw. I mean, the I think the one kind of <laughs> if, unless you get super lucky and Ayala like totally turns it around, is Wiggins still on the team? Mm-hmm. I, I think like. Yeah, yeah, yeah like if Those Wiggins are two of the three like become, real players we have, like if Wiggins becomes this NBA prospect that he was supposed to be this year, you and Chol makes an improvement, you might see some, you would probably make the tournament then. But beyond that, that's like that's really asking for a lot, honestly. I I think like a, a reasonable expectation might be going five hundred in conference play. <laughs> I think if we can go five hundred in the Big Ten, I mean, I I'm being I completely agree that we have we will literally have three players. And absolutely no front court. Not only no front court depth, but not even one guy that can kind of stand on. I, I think if you can go 500 in the Big Ten, which this year is was an extremely competitive conference and will likely be again next year, finishing you know around halfway through that a halfway ranking in that conference, it'll be decent. If if there is one thing that um, I will give Turgeon to his credit, not that he had any control over it per se, um, is the competitiveness of the Big. 10 during his tenure um you know he hasn't he hasn't been coaching in the the atlantic 10 or the mac um the the um disparity between the the top team and the worst team is so much more minimal in this conference than say in you know the sec or acc um so it really is tough to, to win these kind of games. These, who would have thought that the rack would have become an absolute fortress this year? Um, right. These kind yeah. of programs, Rutgers, Nebraska, they it just seems in Northwestern, there's just this rotating group of these teams that just step up. Uh, and it really was a bloodbath this year. And like you said, it, I think we can expect more of that to come. I really think it would be a successful season, Brad, if, if they were able to go 500 or above in conference play. All right. Yeah. Well, we. Have, I think we also have to prepare. I think we also have to prepare ourselves. Which something that did not happen this year was some terrible non-conference losses, which are pretty typical of this program. We have to prepare ourselves for those early. Because yeah. they are inevitable. Yeah, they actually took yeah. care of business. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe Seton like, Hall was tough, but other than that, Seton Hall was. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if there's a quality loss, not that they played well at all that game, but, but Seton Hall was a, a bona fide. Uh, you know. March Madness team this year. Yeah, they were a top 15 team in the country. Yeah. Well, buy your season tickets now. They're on sale and there's more payment plans available than last year. That's what the email that they sent me. Yeah. So uh, we're looking, we're looking forward to it. So on to, I think our next topic. Um, why don't we talk about the NFL draft? So we had, uh, I guess what would be appropriately called a zoom uh, draft format with uh, Roger Goodell, just kind of chilling in his chair um, announcing announcing the draft pick. What did you guys think of the draft just overall with this new online format? I really didn't have a problem with it. I, th- I mean, A, I thought it was entertaining because it was something live to watch on TV that you didn't know it was going to happen, and it was entertaining and somewhat. And I, I think that, you know, if they had even more time to prepare, like if they were to do this next year, do it from people's homes, you know, maybe you have Goodell in a slightly nicer studio and something like that. But I really didn't, didn't think it took much away from the draft. Ben? I thought it enhanced it. Um, I, I really think this is going to be something the league is going to 
um, seriously consider going forward. I, I mean, the the numbers they did were tremendous. They fifteen point six. But that was also partly because there was nothing else. Sure, um, uh, you can't discount that at all. Fifteen point six million people as uh, the average audience, thirty seven percent increase over yeah, um, average job. audience for last year. It's it's massive. Um, I I really enjoyed the format. I thought it was very cool to you know to see inside the the prospects' homes, uh, talk to coaches, see. Um, you know, see their thought process. You, it, it felt much more intimate, and um, I, I thought, as a fan, it gave us much greater uh, access into uh, the the behind the scenes and Goodell's. Yeah, I gotta say, what one one thing I loved more than anything was the uh, the seeing seeing like you kind of mentioned there, Ben, was seeing the coaches' draft setups and just the variety of things. You know, you see some coach, you see like Andy Reid with you know one computer and a mouse he doesn't know how to use. <laughs> And you see guys like Cliff Kingsbury with like 400 screens you know, and sitting Bond, on it's it's nonsense. Mansion, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's you uh, saw Bill Belichick's dog. Yeah, Bill Belichick's dog. That was dog. hilarious. That was the highlight. You know, the, the mastermind behind the Patriots Nike. dynasty. <laughs> um, yep. Nike. They. Uh, I thought it was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I think it kind of points to um, a topic that, that many are thinking about is the. Uh, during this time is that when things start to return to uh, to quote-unquote normal, um, how much in-person, in-office time do we really need? Yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, I think with football, I'm like, so So they announced the new season with 17 games, so like re- there's a reduction in the preseason games. Um, so you're down to three preseason games but and that's 17 in regular season. for the 2021 Yeah, season. next year. Is that for 2020? Yeah. Yeah, no, next year. This year is Rex oh. still 16. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Never mind. I'm just crazy then. Um, so so then, yeah, I mean, they came out with the schedule. I mean, I initially off the bat, I saw that the Cowboys are supposed to open up the um, LA Rams new stadium, SoFi, um, down in Inglewood. <laughs> no but, and I was like, wow, that was <laughs> going to be a total embarrassment because it was going to be 50% Cowboys fans. And the Rams are going to get booed in their in their own stadium for the first time. Yeah. And then I realized there's probably no chance that there's any fans. So I, you know, I've seen like things on Twitter that are like, sports with no fans is totally not worth it. Like we shouldn't do football. Like what do you guys? I I don't really agree with that. I think that they should just play um, without fans and we can watch it on TV. Um, but I don't I don't know if you guys disagree with me. I completely agree with you there. I mean, I think as long as it is safe for the players, I mean, obviously you, if it's unsafe for fans then you have to make sure that it's also safe for players, because obviously they're going to be in close contact with, with one another, but if they can get enough tests and maybe isolate the players from fans or from, you know, have them only contact their families for the, during their duration of the season. I think if, as long as it's safe, I completely would love to see football. Yeah. It, w- it would be a little different to not hear people screaming after touchdown, but you know, these stadiums are going to pump in noise and they're going to, do random craft to make it seem like fans are in the stadium. So I just want to see some live sports. I, I really don't care if there are fans there or not. Well, I mean, ben? there are going to be some people in the stadium. I mean, essential personnel, medical staff. Of course. Uh, so it's um, it's not going to be completely empty, but I, I really agree with you there. If, if the owners um, and players can reach an equitable solution um, where both sides feel like it's um, – 
beneficial, um, safe, and worthwhile. I, I don't see any reason why um, these these sports shouldn't be able to happen. We we saw um, the, over the past weekend the UFC was able to um, hold a, a really successful um, fight night where uh, they, they drew great numbers, um, no crowds, and they tested the uh, the fighters and. Uh, as medical staff, as, as far as we know now, uh, um, there's no. Uh, there was one fighter who uh, was asymptomatic, but tested positive, and obviously he was not allowed to fight. But I, I think that's the kind of thing that'll happen now. It'll be very interesting to see. It's one thing to say, you know, the second round of the preliminaries in the UFC, they had to suspend a fight. What happens when? I don't want to say Jameis Winston trying to think of like another uh, high profile NFL star. Let, let's go with Patrick Mahomes. They're pretty similar mm, sure. uh, stature of players. What, what happens when Patrick Mahomes shows up asymptomatic um, for, for COVID-19 and, and they on Sunday morning and they say, Pat, you can't play. Um, I think that's going to be very interesting to see how, how they that's take a great point, uh, how they do these, this kind of testing because it's, uh, it's certainly, well, like, I, I mean, I think that the problem that they could run into is just the optics of it all. I think that in terms of public – so obviously we're very biased. We all like sports. Um, we want to see it happen, I think. Um, but, I mean, there are those in society that are not as enthusiastic about sports as we are. I think you've seen some pushback around public funding of stadiums where people are like, I don't care about your sports. I'm not funding your stadium. I don't want to do that. But I think what could be interesting is, I mean, right now it – is not the testing capacity in America is not um, incredibly not even close to right. That. Not even close to where everyone can get a test or anything like that. So what are the optics of NFL players who are making millions of dollars being able to get tested like every day or almost every day? Um, that's, while some that's, people... a, that's a really great point. Cause I remember um, not, not that you can necessarily pinpoint an instance where the, the sports world started to, crumble down but uh, i think if if we had to pick a um an epicenter uh it would be the rudy gobert testing positive uh, nba all-star and yeah remarkable which that feels like years ago it really does so this was what was that march so like 2014 maybe late yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) something Um, like that well i just to go off your point about testing millionaires back then testing was even less accessible Um, right no hospitals didn't even have the the equipment they needed to test properly not not that they do now um (laughs) but um overnight the one of the teams who the jazz just played that's that's the team rudy gobert was on uh the raptors were able to acquire 60 or 70 test kits to test everyone in their organization so (laughs) especially during that time um, where testing was uh, capacity was was far more limited. Uh, what is it going to say when we're giving out weekly tests to? Um, and granted, not everyone in the in the industry is a millionaire, and you know it's, right. there's going to be cameramen and sound guys and assistant coaches and and such. But uh, what what is how? <laughs> How are we going to feel as an average American where, where some of us are um, struggling mm-hmm. to, to make ends meet where, and, and get uh, the necessary medical attention? 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I no, think the and, NFL just needs to prepare for that headline where somebody inevitably is not going to be able to get a test for whatever reason, whether it's the capacity is not there or it just didn't work out. And and unfortunately, they there's you know there's a chance that they could pass away or something very terrible could happen to them. And the headline will be, why is it that Patrick Mahomes or Dak Prescott, who's probably going to make like $35 million a year or something crazy, is able to get a test like every single day? And we have people dying. So, I mean, yeah, I think, no, I, I think this trouble. is really – no, I totally agree with all that. And that's kind of why I, I preface what I was saying. I agree with what you, both you just said by saying that it ha- you have to open it up in a safe manner. And I think that's why I think it's honestly premature that the NFL is saying right now, oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be a season. Which, which, well, they haven't explicitly said that. They went ahead with the schedule as it is. They said they don't plan on making any adjustments. They're, they're, you know, they're doing online mini camps for, uh, for rookies, all this sort of stuff. I think the fact that they're assuming the season will go on like normal or as close to normal as they can get it at this point is just a little premature. I mean, for all we know, there are going to be states. There are going to be governors that say, you can't even play in my right. state. I will not allow professional sports right. and, to go and on. We're state, seeing, regardless of and we're seeing that about. now, I mean, um, with, with colleges, and, and we're going to get to that in, in a couple of minutes. Um, you know, we had the governor of Florida recently today say, if, if you're not allowed to play in your own state, you're not going to be allowed to play here. Uh, we had California colleges. I thought he said the opposite. He said that you can come. Yeah, play. you can't. Like he's he's inviting. Teams. Sorry. Yeah, I I meant yes. You if you are not allowed. To... But you have you also you you also have cities. They also have states like California, whose right. governors are saying are, we're already closing a lot of our school systems. I don't want. Yeah, I mean, just think. I say so. You have, like so you have Seattle and Washington. You have you have, you have Seahawks and Washington. Then you have the 49ers. You have the Chargers and you have the Rams, Rams, all in states, at least that's just the West Coast that I think with governors that are much more skeptical about having professional sports in their state. So, I mean, what I, I agree with you, Brad, how that the NFL is kind of foolish to go ahead with this acting like nothing's going to happen. However, I'm also not convinced that they're not making contingency plans without people knowing um, of course, and maybe they don't want to mm-hmm. broadcast that to the world. No, and that's I will. Let, that's let, what let, I was trying to say go ahead, ben. is that um, it's it's just too soon to to go definitively in either direction. I think it's ridiculous that some uh, university systems are already canceling. I think it's ridiculous that some university systems are already um, deciding to open uh, in in the fall. I think it's this. Totally it's, it's the same thing with the league. They they should be planning for for every possible outcome now, and and trying to, in my opinion, drag this out as long as they can. We're in May now. The season isn't going to start till the beginning of September. They have uh, months before they have to declare um, how they're going to do things. It's it's the sports like baseball and hockey and basketball that um, really have mm-hmm. to decide about the viability of uh, of finishing a season. Well, all right. Let, let's. We be need more disagreement. Two or three let's let's talk about the draft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's like, I was say, let, let's be optimistic here for a couple of minutes and talk about the draft. We and we'll we'll move on and talk about baseball and Maryland football in a couple of minutes. But let's go through at least our three teams. Or uh, let's start with the Cowboys, who most people believe had had a pretty good draft. Yes, yes. Valdez, what was your assessment there? I agree with most people. I'm very so. So the Cowboys went ahead and in the first round took C.D. Lamb at number seventeen. I, along with many other people, were shocked that the Cowboys found him there at number 17. Um, some people had said he was the best receiver in the draft, even though he was the third one taken off the board. 
Um, so I was I was pretty impressed um, with Jerry Jones making that decision. Um, in the past, I think that the Cowboys had. I will say, as a general rule, I am very happy with the Cowboys drafts. I think that um, since 2000, they've drafted like the most Pro Bowlers. Not that it's gotten them anywhere, but um, generally the Cowboys draft pretty well. Um, but in the past, the organization has decided to go with an area of most need over the best player available. And I think that, you know, they struck a very good balance here of the best player available with a somewhat need. I mean, having, you know, the, we had just lost um, Randall Cobb um, and Cooper. Amari uh, Cooper has a tendency sometimes to get lost um, against shutdown corners. So I think C.D. Lamb will bring a lot to the offense. I really loved uh, their second round pick with uh, Trayvon Diggs, brother of Maryland alum Stefan Diggs. And one um, of my uh, high school classmates, briefly. Really good, really good friends with Ben Halperin. Um, Fortunately for both of us, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> um so and, and and he was a guy who had been speculated to potentially sneak into the first round but the cowboys got him in the second and then overall there's some less less well-known names um they've got like an edge rusher another corner or um a, an offensive lineman um so yeah very happy with their draft um i'm really excited to see what the mike mccarthy kellen moore offense looks like next year um, with Andy Dalton backing up Dak, and that's not really the draft, but I thought that was a, an excellent. If I may use the Cowboys well. or, as a way to segue to the Falcons, I think it's it's a really interesting strategy. It's it's really interesting to see the strategy teams employ um, what, when they look at the draft board. I I think the Cowboys, in my opinion, I, I agree with you and, and most of the experts. Um, this is a good team, and they went with the approach of taking the best player on the board, which. Um, you know, that's really hard to knock. It reminds me of what the Falcons did in 2018. It was a, a fairly solid team. And they had Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, two, two very good receivers, and, and drafted uh, Calvin Ridley. So I really like what, what the Cowboys did this year, adding cornerback depth to replace Byron Jones, adding wide receiver depth for the potential uh, disappearing act of um, – Mark Cooper and the questionability of Michael Gallup. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I think it's really interesting. If I, if I may talk about the Falcons now. Um, Please. I'll allow it. They... First, first, really quickly, Valdez, you seemed very confident that Dalton would be backing up Dak Prescott, and I wouldn't be too sure about that. Yeah, you watch too much ESPN. They have nothing to talk about. <laughs> Dak's going to sign. Don't worry about it. Dallas, Dallas right, needs ben. a, a ginger to... Uh, just yeah. for old time's sake. <laughs> right, exactly. Jerry Jones is going to start calling him Jason. But, uh, yeah. The the Falcons, um, in the first round, they took a cornerback out of Clemson by the name of A.J. Terrell um, with, the, with the 16th overall pick. Many had him projected uh, as a later first-round pick. Um, he was the third cornerback off the board. The Falcons were discussed uh, and had discussions of trading up into the top ten. Um, but that was never able to come to fruition given uh, the way the, the board shook out. Um, I think I like the player. I'm not sure I like the value. Um, I, it seems like they could have traded back and gotten him at least five, ten picks later, somewhere somewhere in that range. But um, it seems like this is someone who the uh, coaching staff and 
um, front office thought highly of, uh, despite his mm. uh, difficulties in the national championship game. And uh, it's clearly a glaring need. Uh, this this team, uh, he, he will most likely instantly step into a starting role. So um, hopefully he pans out. They took a um, defensive tackle, defensive end um, out of Auburn, who who uh, spent a lot of time next to uh, top 10 pick Derek Brown in, in, in the second. Um, I'm, I am more excited about him. I thought this was a really good value. I think he has a ton of upside. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that was a great pick. And he'll, uh, ben, Ben, before we, before we move on from the Falcons, what did you think about Todd Gurley? Uh, so, so it's interesting this, uh, this off season, the, the Falcons two major uh, acquisitions were, were XRM's Todd Gurley and uh, edge rusher Dante Fowler, former top five pick who they paid uh, over, I think, around $15 million a year for three years to help um, build an edge rush that Dan Quinn has so desperately been looking for in his time at Washington. Well, they need, I mean, yeah, they, they've needed that for a while, the Falcons. Um, the girly deal is one year, $5 million. It's a, um, hey, you've been banged up. Um we know you're very good, but come in here and prove it. Show that you can be durable. Show that you can contribute. Um, there is a little bit of running back depth in Atlanta, but uh, you know it's not like he's competing with Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> um, right. So I think it's a really nice signing. Uh, he's he went to college in the state. He went to University of Georgia. Um, he has connections to the area. I think uh, it's very exciting. The the Falcons will now have the ability to roll out a first round draft pick for every position on offense. Um, wow. Which is, you know, not really indicative of success. Has that ever happened before? I believe it is the first time. It will be the first time if they wind up that's pulling actually, out. What that, I think what that says to me is what a crapshoot the first round is. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Absolutely. Yes. This isn't the, the NFL is, is far different from the NBA. That's crazy. Um, Two round draft in the NBA now. There's there's a ton of talent that comes uh, undrafted and, and in the later rounds. I can't think of any quarterbacks that have gone in later rounds that have had success in the NFL without As, cheating. Yeah, this is a great without segue. Cheating. <laughs> oh, without cheating, yeah. Um, well, no, there's no, no Patriot quarterbacks that cheated that I can think of. Not, so. Yeah, not not on I the active roster. Current on the active roster. But um, I what I was expressing earlier was was my desire for if if they couldn't trade up that there was that there was a. The, the people's boards were very different after 10. Um, there, there seemed to be a pretty clear top mm. 10 or 12 guys. Um, so I would have liked to have seen the Falcons trade back. The, the Patriots uh, decided to, yep. to, uh, to employ no, that strategy. So, this Brad, is, this is my well, here's, I'm just segueing yes. for you. Um, what did you think <laughs> of the that. Patriots trading back in the first round and the well, subsequent selections they made? Yeah, well, first, before I, we discuss too much here, Quick moment of silence for Tom Brady. Uh, he will be missed. That was nice. That was a good full. That was a full second. I appreciate that, you guys. Rest in peace, Cheetah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like Ben said, Patriots did a had a very very Belichickian draft as they always do, uh, going with the pr- quantity over quality, if you will. Trading back, Belichick always looking to find hidden value in guys who are not first round picks, but rather he said having one first round pick, he'd like to have four fifth round picks, which is really what we did this year i would sum up our draft in three maybe six words which would be defense special teams and tight ends which is the most bill belichick draft i've ever heard of what was up with you guys taking like the community college player 
Yeah, we took a, a D2 player from Lenore Ryan, some North school, some D2 school in North Carolina that if you've ever heard of, I don't know what the hell you're doing with your life, but uh, a safety from Lenore Ryan. Then we took a uh, Michigan linebacker um, who Josh Uche. I don't know why I banked his name there for a second. Um, but then, you know, over the subsequent rounds, a couple other middle linebackers. And then uh, we ended the draft taking three straight tight ends. Uh, and not to mention, of course, uh, the only the only kicker or punter taken in the entire uh, draft was taken a kicker out of Marshall taken by the Patriots. So as with every Patriots draft, you always hope they're going to do something big. You hope they're going to make some move, get a quarterback of the future, get another running back because the running backs we've taken in the past haven't worked out as well as we'd hoped. You know, get a wide receiver, a position we drafted one player of last year and wasn't great with Nikhil Harry. But no, of course, Bill Belichick is still in charge, and they decided to do what they always do, which is draft for defense. And I think that that really shows what the Patriots' strategy is going to be this year, which is it's likely that Stidham is going to be our quarterback, given that we've had the opportunity to get Jameis Winston and possibly Cam Newton now and have not been able to do that. That They're going to put their faith in Stidham, and I think that in order for Stidham to be successful, they're going to have to have a great defense and not let other teams score very much, and, and that was the strategy. I mean, are, do you think that they're – are they like tanking for to get a great quarterback next year? I mean, Stidham sucks. Like he's so bad. But you see, th- we, we haven't seen him play. There's literally no game footage or, or even I really mean, he did play footage. a little bit last year and he was bad. Yeah, he threw a pick, but <laughs> he was not good. But no, it's not. Was good, he good but, in the preseason? Generally, yeah, I mean, he was he was actually one of the better rookie quarterbacks in the preseason last year, but you can't take anything from the preseason. I mean, you're playing against late draft picks and unsigned free agents. Mm-hmm. The news out of from Patriots reporters and like Mike Reese, the guys who cover this team is that the Patriots are super, super high on Stidham. They think he's made a ton of progress at the end of last season and over the off season. And I'm willing to give him a shot. I mean, especially given that this year's season might be a little different than others. Uh, I- I'm willing to let him go for the seasons. If he's terrible, I would not be surprised if he has tried to trade up and get a quarterback next year. But if, if he does, okay, Belichick is, has proven that, you know, he's happy to, as you guys would like to mention, happy to play with quarterbacks who might not be at the top of their game as long as the defense is strong. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that. He's had one quarterback the entire time. I mean, like... Right, but last year, Brady, I, I'll admit it now that he's not on the team anymore, Brady did not have a great season <laughs> last year. And they, they, they could have gotten rid of him earlier, and they didn't. I mean, of, of course, it's a very different situation there. But I... I did, not if I were to put myself in Belichick's shoes, knowing who he is and the way he's always coached football teams, it's going to be defense and special teams first, and then the offense. We're going to find we're going to be creative. We're going to find ways to score and hope that that's enough. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I I just see this as kind of like a total I think it's tank. it's I interesting. I mean, like Brad said, I, the play out the best case scenario starting Jared Stidham. Best case scenario, well, I guess it depends on how you look at it, but best case scenario is they're a good football team in a bad division, or at least a decent football team in a bad division. Um, they've had the luxury of doing that for the past 20 years. So, you know, this this team with a um, XFL, essentially XFL quarterback could very feasibly win nine or ten games. And, and I don't think anyone would be surprised. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with... with the division is the division is getting better this year. I could definitely see I think Miami the Buffalo winning and Dolphins like are gonna three or four games, games this year. This year. Um, the Jets, Jets I no. could see getting in the four or five range, and the Bills uh, may barely miss the playoffs. So the the vaunted 
a playoff team last uh, year. AFC East will be back again no, this they're year. They're, they're a playoff um, team as as usual. I, I think it's with especially with the um, quarterback talent uh, at the top of next year's draft prospects, such as uh, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields being considered um, potentially generational. Um, what do you have to lose? Maybe Stidham mm-hmm. is the guy. Maybe he's mediocre and. And the Patriots decide a free agent solution is the way to go. Um, I really don't see. I I really don't see the downside. And um, I sure. I just thought the um, some of the picks they made this year were interesting. But you know, Belichick has his guys, and, and he's been right before. Well, well, you're exactly. forgetting you're exactly. forgetting one generational quarterback, and it'll lead us to our next transition, Herbert, which is uh, Justin. Uh, what's his name again? Oh, Lance LeJean doesn't. No, no, no. Our quarterback for Maryland. Oh, Josh so Jackson. I... Oh, no, Lance no. LeJean. No, no, the grad transfer. Oh, Josh Jackson. Josh. How Jackson. dare you? Yeah. How dare you forget his name? Dude, that's Slander. How bad, that's how badly I oh, wanted to forget about him ever playing for our team. Yeah, Josh Jackson is probably gonna. I don't know, like work out and can be a camp arm. So. No, he's not. I'm sure he will try. Oh, if any team that signs Josh Jackson should be immediately relegated to, like, <laughs> high school football in, like, New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, so what do we think? Just, so uh, so it's, one, it's the offseason for Maryland football. The, draft. I'm um, curious the offseason was think. always what the best What do you think was the, the best for Maryland football? The first round? Uh, all right, I, I I may sound a little bit uh, like some of the ESPN guys here, but I really think that Tua is going to be a good NFL player. I, I I mean I've just from watching him in college, I think he just he just has that special something, and I think that obviously he was the, the fifth pick in the draft. That's clearly high. You know, you can't say that was he was undervalued at that pick. But I think that people there was a lot of debate about whether he'd go that high, especially given his injuries. I think he will stay healthy, and I honestly think that that. Is a, That's relative. He's going to be I mean, a quarterback on the quarterback Dolphins, on the for, Dolphins a for a long time. Like six games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not. I don't think he's a, a generational quarterback, but I think he can be a very solid player for them with with a couple of you know shiny moments every year. Thoughts on Tua's that, uh, that NFL to career? I think, I think that was a good pick. Um, I think. The injuries really scare me. Um, I think like it, it wasn't just like the hip flexor or whatever he injured. I think he's 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 been injured in the past. Um, he has a tendency to kind of roll out of the pocket. The Dolphins have a terrible offensive line, so those things typically don't don't mix well. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm not as high on as on Tua as um, lock it in. Brad yeah, is Brad, as is, a Brad big is fan. I I really liked. Um, as much as it pains me to say it, but I will hate seeing Chase Young um, in the NFC East for the next however many years. Um, I loved uh, Okuda going to the Lions. And then I really liked, um, I forget, I don't Kavon even know if I'm Chasen. saying his name right. Uh, Kavlon Ch- Chassian. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the linebacker. LSU. Um, LSU had what, five first round picks? It was something crazy, yeah. But he he was a, he's a total beast. So um, those and and um, I love the CD I, Lamb pick. But I, I think CD CD Lamb would be a 
would yep. really be a good candidate for that. Um, but just just back to Tua, um, it's hard. It, it really is hard to evaluate quarterbacks in, in today's NFL. I particular, I personally was not uh, particularly high on on this year's quarterback class. Like I mentioned earlier, especially given some of the talent that's going to come come in next year with with uh, Lawrence and and Fields and and Lejeune. Um, <laughs> and Pigram, uh, but I there's a long history mm-hmm. of illustrious left-handed quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, so so promising that you know who the last lefty quarterback in the NFL was. That is correct. Actually, I, I asked the, I asked the wrong person for that. Wow, um, I would it would so I would not have gotten that. That was not going to be yeah. Back, back up for the Dallas Cowboys. I'll include um, Kellen Moore, um, Tim Tebow. Uh, yeah, exactly. So it, lefties well, have at, at least it doesn't uh, take a, much to be the best. Time. I mean, we've seen Steve Young, we've seen Ken Stabler, um, Steve Young. You you could say Vic. Uh, well, yeah, some long time ago. Potential uh, or, or or yeah, some off field issues may have may have had a better career than he did. Some um, say I don't know who am I, yeah. um, but I, I'm not particularly high on Tua. I think the best pick in the draft. It's it's like you said. It's hard to say you get a value pick at number two, but I thought Chase Young is just so far and away um, the best player in this draft and, and one of the better prospects I've I've seen in, uh, in some time. So with that, I think we have some other topics we wanted to hit on. Yeah, so I had I had I think we had originally planned on going to baseball next, but I had started talking about Maryland football. So why don't we why don't we do that and then we can go back to baseball? We can knock out our football all in once. Um, so, you know, like I, it's the Maryland off season. The off season is the best season for Maryland football because they don't have to lose. Um, but Loxley looks to be he's he's bringing in some recruits. He started this uh, DMV to UMD. Uh, movement. What do you guys think about the Maryland? You know, they apparently they have like a top fifteen class for twenty twenty one. Yeah, I, I've been really impressed with Loxley. Actually, I, I mean that said, I, I will qualify that by saying I had my expectations extremely, extremely low for this football team after last year. But uh, I mean, right now we have a top twenty, I think maybe even top fifteen recruiting class in the country. We've gotten a couple of five. We got one five star guy in Raheem Jarrett. And we've gotten a couple of strong four-star guys. I- I've been really impressed with Loxley and getting people to stay home. And I think it really it really does go to the point around college football recruiting where if you get one or stone piece, one five-star recruit who everybody else wants to play with, you can recruit well, especially from your area and the people who already kind of know him. Yeah, I think I think I agree with you. I mean, the the big there so Maryland made the top three for the number one quarterback in 2021 um his name's caleb williams um i think he's gonna go yeah he's gonna go to oklahoma probably Um, but he could also just be like playing with everybody these guys you see recruits in college do this where they'll play the fact that maryland is in the top three for one of those kids i think like under yeah right so i mean that's it's insane it's totally crazy so um you know i really like what loxley's doing um i think What I really like is he seems to be really focusing on the defensive and offensive line, which is something that is totally critical to actually compete in the Big Ten. 
Um, and then, you know, obviously he gets the Rakeem, like Rakeem Jarrett. That's a great, incredible get, like one of the best top, like Huge. best you take like, highly rate, rated recruits of in program. It's like the number two receiver like, in the country. Top. Right. It's, it's crazy. And so, um, but, you know, building up those lines is, is um, kind of a prerequisite to letting those guys shine. And so, I mean, their, their wide receiver room will be, Really great because you'll have um, Dante Demas, Raheem Jarrett, Just and then um, back. what's his name Just is coming back. Yeah, um, from uh, from the yes. ACL, and they actually got a really good transfer last year. I, who, I had to sit out, who had to sit out a year? Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think that it's not. It's twenty twenty one. I think is going to be the year when you start to see some improvement. Next year, I think ESPN came out and said that the Maryland Terrapins have the hardest strength of schedule based on preseason rankings. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it matters. For, for next yeah. year. It's going to be awful. They they listed, they listed they listed them at an 8% chance of qualifying for a bowl game, and the second lowest chance of qualifying for a bowl game was 52%, and it was South Carolina. Not great. So, yeah, but don't, don't take that bet in Vegas that they're making a bowl game. No. Not that anyone was playing. But to. I, what 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 do you guys have? You guys seen? I've watched Lox's about ten YouTube minutes. Show? It's not terrible. It's way better than the locked in documentary that they've been wasting everybody's time with on Instagram when he should have been making plays and <laughs> anything but that. But it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's a nice little bit of quarantine content. I don't mind. I don't mind it. It's like a half an hour show. No, no, I'm not. Ben, have you that. seen it? Didn't think so. Yeah, I mean, I, I I have been very impressed with Loxley. I think he's really trying to build up that grassroots movement um, that was kind of starting when um, he, he actually had Dwayne Haskins on the show just the other day. And Haskins said, like, he was ready to go to Maryland and then Loxley did not get did not get the job and they hired yep. DJ Durkin instead. Um, and so he decided to go to Ohio State. And so we I think we are kind of on the verge of starting that movement. Um, and what Haskins said, he's like, you know, Kids from Florida want to go to Florida. Yeah. Like kids from Georgia want to go to Georgia. And like, why can't we do that in Maryland? And so it, it starts with someone and he's like trying to create this, he calls them like the founders, like this vision. So, I mean, hopefully it comes, comes to something. If he can get a couple top 20, top 15. If, if anybody classes, is knows the coach to do it, it's here. definitely Loxley. And as much as I might make fun of the other stuff he does, it's all going around building a program and building an image of a program that people want to be a part of. Having a brand new cold field house is obviously going to help making upgrades to the stadium is obviously going to help him, you know, being seen as the godfather of the DMV is going to help all those sorts of things. While they might seem kind of gimmicky and marketing. I I think these high school kids look at that and say, this is a program I want to be a part of. That said, I agree with you that if we win four games, it'll be the miracle of all miracles. Mike Loxley. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the, the big elephant in the room is like, we know Loxley can recruit and sell and sell (laughs) and sell the program. It's Kenny coach. Um, so that's that's my biggest concern. I don't know if you have Unlike any closing thoughts. Unlike the basketball then. team, I think uh, I think this team's heading in the right direction. Um, it's he has I don't want to say the opposite, but maybe more of an accentuated problem than Mark Turgeon in, in actually establishing this program as as a Big Ten football team. Um, that is not an easy task. He he really is trying to to make something out of nothing and, and was left with very little to work with. Um, he's the, the guy seemed to like him. Um, he really seems to be 
uh, amped up and, and doing his best. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to see him start to have some request in the uh, success in the recruiting sphere. So the, what, what's his quarterback name? Williams. Caleb Winston, right? Or whatever. What, Williams. Uh, I just Caleb wanna, Williams. In case Caleb is listening, just quick uh, putting this out there. I will Venmo you 20 bucks right now. Venmo request me <laughs> hey, right hey, now. Hey, whoa. 20 bucks will be in your account before you. Yeah, charity. charity. Of, course, of course. COVID relief charity. No, nope, not I'm affiliated with the UMD now. football Gladly program. 20 bucks. No recruiting violations. Yeah, you, I owe you gas. Um, you drove me, and yep. so I'll pay you $10,000. Um, well, so if we, I think, I think we can move on to the last segment of the show. Wait, are we not when doing we from the desk of Anthony back in early March, I have some very interesting the, the name of our show. Here, I think the listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to skip that segment. Stay tuned uh, for I mean, perjury. For, for, for the of... um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we left um, and we had well, started the I hashtag still think it's too soon for movement. Me with the DC defenders. Um, the good news is the good news is Pep is out. The DC defenders are rid of Pep Hamilton. He blew some terrible leads on the road. Uh, the bad news is, is that the DC defenders are also out because the XFL is dead. Um, so what, well, I mean, do you guys think that the XFL, I mean, they, they, they had to cut their season short because of COVID. And then they basically said that they're the, the league is done. I like the XFL product. I hope it comes back. I don't know if it will. Do you guys I, disagree with me? I mean, obviously, in, in light of all the crises that are happening in the world right now, losing the XFL is nowhere near the top of the list. But I agree with you. I really like the XFL. I thought it was it was a nice way to wean yourself off of football. It was fun. It was a little bit different. There were I, I like the kind of funky rules. I, I would love to see it come back, and, and I hope it does. I think they were, they were building something that, that was at least, if not great football, at least entertaining. Right. Uh, unfortunately ben? not. And it really is. Will we ever see the DC defenders again? Um, just a sign of the times, I guess. They, what, they just went bankrupt. Yeah. Is that what happened? They well, just, and I mean, they there was no few... money and saved up. I, yeah, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what, what happened um, with it. I mean, I assume that they certainly didn't yeah. have enough and capital. Andrew Luck said, sure. No I mean, they're not the NFL, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was a good opportunity for a few guys, though. I think like there was the Memphis QB got like a uh, got signed to an NFL team. I know like Jordan Te'amu, um, is from the St. Louis BattleHawks, got signed to the to the Chiefs to at least compete for a spot. So there's a few, and I'm sure that there's a lot more that are not you, quarterbacks. The um, happiest person in the whole world that the XFL is gone is the NCAA. Yeah. If anyone's true. the winner, it's the NCAA. True, because yep. that would have broken their monopoly. Yeah. All right. Well, um, unfortunately, Brad, there's no Maryland this minute because sadly the sports are gone. Um, yeah. So I guess in the end, ben and I, <laughs> I guess there there is an argument to that. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I think I think that that wraps up the show for the week. So um, it was good to good to talk to you all, and uh, I'm sure we'll be doing another uh, yeah, we can special work edition of the show, busy schedule the show in the future. Um, maybe we'll be able to get some programming in for you guys. So thank you very much for listening. 
Um, best wishes to everyone and stay healthy, stay safe. Bye, everybody.